Harris achieves the rare one-two punches of being short and thorough, national and international, fact-based and personable. Every morning, we take the three biggest stories of the day and explain why they matter. And we do it all in less than 15 minutes. So you can start your day a little more in the know than when you went to sleep. Listen now to the Up First podcast from NPR. Nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to your Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell. Happy middle of the holiday season, Kathy Petrus in Armia, Spain. That's your full name. Well, thank you. Gracias. (laughs) (laughs) We're a couple weeks after American Thanksgiving, I guess, and a few weeks before uh, Christmas and other winter holidays. Oh, and everything here goes insane for Christmas, so... It's like every every street lights this that it's processions you name it, it Granada goes insane. That sounds and pretty I exciting. Like yeah, that sounds yeah, fun. It's fun. It's really fun. Ross Petrus in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, does does Toronto go insane for anything? Oh, it goes insane for everything. Oh, are you serious? Oh, well, all right. <laughs> no, but our our standard joke is on weekends we want to go down to the the uh, shore to the you know to the lake shore. It's always closed. It's always like a parade, a Christmas parade, whatever. I mean, it's literally things like, you know, Caribbean people from the north part of Caribbean are celebrating their love for the South Caribbean parade. It's like these bizarre, I have no idea what they're doing. So, yes. You guys like to party. That's great. Oh, boy. You bet. Something people might not know about Canadians. No, that's what I was just thinking. You think of them as much more... Busy being, oh, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> well, everyone, it's true. I mean, you go to the parade and you'll bump into everyone. And I've never heard more excuse me's and I'm sorry's in my life at a parade. It's true. <laughs> a Canadian parade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the truth is we've been having way too much fun lately. We've been way too positive, I think. And so today we're not going to not talk about non-positive things. <laughs> Did you track that? <laughs> I have to go now. <laughs> it was a brilliant segue, though, Fletcher. I Thank have to you. hand it to you. Thank you very so. much. From the master. That's high praise, Ross. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we ended the last episode uh, talking about a negative statement or a statement with a lot of negatives in it, I should say. And that's sort of what we're going to talk about today. And just to remind everybody, what we were talking about at the end of the last episode was uh, a statement from... Uh, was the the Chinese embassy talking to yes. a talking to a newspaper? Uh, he, yes, he wrote a letter to the, to the editor to the Times. Right. Okay. And what they said was this: China has never committed to not taking non peaceful means to solve the Taiwan issue simply because such a commitment would make peaceful reunification impossible. Well, that's a mouthful, and also... <laughs> and very diplomatic. Yes, very diplomatic, in that it's really hard to figure out what in the world they're saying. We did kind of, though. We, we kind of figured mm-hmm. out that, um, of course, by non-peaceful means, they could potentially mean violent means. So they're right. saying China has never committed to not taking violent means. So we've never said we wouldn't be violent. The one thing about this is that basically languages can be split into two. Some have neg- what's called negative concord or emphatic negation. That's when you have a double negative and it means basically it's a really negative. But other languages like English basically cancels each other out, which we'll get into later. 
But China is like English in that, in modern standard English. I mean, in China, the negatives work in effect the same way as they do in English. So I thought, because I, initially I thought, well, maybe, you know, he's kind of translating in his head from Chinese into English. But if he is, it's not in terms of negatives. You said something about a negative concord, something that, that makes it really negative. Can you give an example of that? No, actually, what I'm really saying is uh, negative concord is the opposite. Negative concord basically is when the negatives if affirm each other. Kathy, can, you can give one. Um, what's it? Let me just think of one in Spanish. Uh, no veo nada. I don't see nothing. In that case, the no and the nada are two negatives, and you know, basically used, and they basically emphasize the the, the negative. And That's in the vernacular, I ain't never done that. Yeah. I mean, you, you you know that it does. It means I haven't done that. It doesn't mean I ain't never. They don't cancel each other out. Right. You're you're interpreting it as only one negative, even though there are two. Right. I I I, I get it now. Yeah, because the the. the what we were talking about with the not committed to not taking those sort of cancel each other out. But when you say something like I, I ain't done nothing mm -hmm. that, that emphasizes that you haven't done anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Precisely. But, and, and what happens is some languages routinely do it. And like, it's called negative concord when they, when the emphatic, when negative means emphatic, you get a couple of negatives, they don't cancel each other out. They just keep on going. Spanish is like that. Greek is like that. Old English used to be like English used to be like that. Italian, etc. Most languages don't have that. Most languages, you get two negatives in a row and you got a little problem sometimes. Oh, okay. So some languages like Spanish, Kathy, it's perfectly fine to do that. There's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. I see. Precisely. And, and as, as we, of course, know in English, it, it does cause problems. Which is yes. the whole thrust of this episode, I might add. <laughs> We're going back to what Ross was saying. Many people, when it comes to English say double negatives are bad, bad. So let's do the official look at negatives in English. We're talking The official English rules of negativity, yes. So let's start with single negatives, right? So what's the basic rule? In English, a single negative, basically each subject predicate, to be technical, should have only one negative form. Okay, so Fletcher, let's say you don't like the... Uh, Director Kurosawa. How do you say that? I'm, I'm not going to say that. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's choose. Let's, let's, let's choose something else. I approve of that. Give me Fletcher. a bad director, Fletcher. Give Ooh. me a bad director. Well, now I now I feel like I need to be diplomatic. Let's say I don't really like beets. Right? I don't like to eat beets. You don't? Okay. I should say I've tried them in just about every form that has come across my plate and they've just never connected with me. So I keep Are trying. you serious? I love beets. Have you ever had them roast, roasted beets? I, I have. You name it, I've tried it. You still don't like it? No. Roasted okay, let's, beets let's start something else up. Glaze? <laughs> come now, on. We don't like Fletcher. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ross, that's not very diplomatic. <laughs> so that's a, that's no, a single negative, right? Yes. Okay. What we just said basically was, I do not. The not is the, is the negative. That's mm -hmm. obviously correct English. We all know it. We've all internalized it. It works. Okay. Now we come to number two, a double a negative. Double negative has two negatives. Aha. <laughs> I see we've already shocked you with this. So a double negative um, would be, I don't not like beets. Right. That means I like them. Right. Because those two knots cancel each other out. Or at least it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean I like them, but it 
It doesn't mean I dislike them. As usual, Fletcher jumps ahead to the key point that we were just about to <laughs> I know, I know. You're ruining <laughs> no. our outline here. But going backwards a little bit for one second, what we just said, according to standard English, the two negatives tend to cancel themselves out. And this was like codified if you could, English has no rule, real, no great rulemaking body. But it, in effect, it was codified by a British grammarian in 1762 who said, two negatives in English destroy one another or are equivalent to an affirmative. Now, let's jump ahead to where Fletcher was. Kat. No, wait a second, because I was going to say, okay, now, part of that is intonation if you're hearing it. Because you could say, I don't not like beads. Mm-hmm. Right. Which which is different than saying I don't not like beads, which would be incorrect or would be canceled. Right. There is a little bit of a nuance there, depending on how you say it. Yeah, they don't exactly cancel each other out often. So which is a common usage, correct, correctly and generally seen as correct in English. One thing we've got to quickly say is we're talking about regular standard English at this point. There are a lot of different Englishes. So you're saying. I don't not like beats, but I don't hate them. Right. If, if, if I, I would say to you, do you like beats? And you might say, well, I don't not like beats. Right. That doesn't right. mean that doesn't go. Maybe maybe I don't go so far as to say that I like them. But if you put them in a salad, I'd probably eat the salad. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if there were anchovies for me, I wouldn't. I, I love anchovies too, but whatever. Too. So. No, no, <laughs> Food no, opinions. No. Uh, so, Ross, I think this moves sort of into where you were about to head. Well, it's a double negative. It makes it a, a lukewarm meaning as opposed to canceling it but out. But not necessarily. Not necessarily. For example, let's let's do this one. I wasn't unhappy with the raise I got this year. I'm not sure that's lukewarm. What do you think, Fletcher? I agree. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't unhappy with the raise I got this year. I, that, that seems pretty positive to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of polite, low key. But how about this? If I said, I wasn't not happy with the raise i got this year that's interesting because that's something that we go back to nuance that nuanced nuancedly as i'm coining right now is (laughs) different than unhappy it is oddly enough yeah the emphasis is different right i say to you were you happy with the raise you got this year and you say i wasn't unhappy with the raise i got this year well then that means yeah i was pretty happy with it but if i said Mm -hmm. well i wasn't not happy with the raise i got this year yeah that's clear. It's clear. That's, that's lukewarm. Right. That's really interesting, though. And th- this is the real problem. And I, I think all of us have faced it, learning new languages. These really subtle aspects that are so hard to really get. That one we all instantly knew had two different meanings. With, mm-hmm. with it. And I think if I were speaking, saying the same thing as another language, I wouldn't get it. Mm-hmm. You know? And here's here's basically a, an emphatic negate, negative, though. This is interesting in a different way. It's a double negative. Um, I'm so tired from work that there is no way I cannot go on vacation this year. Now, to me, that basically the no way there, mm-hmm. I cannot go, means, boy, I'm going. It's mm-hmm. like an emphatic double negative. Yep, I absolutely have to go on vacation this year. Yeah. And then we also have the evasive double negative. How do you like my new place, Fletcher? 
I certainly wouldn't say I don't like it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, yeah, that's the kind of thing. It's like, what What did you think of the play I wrote? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is one of my favorites because it doesn't, it, it's it's like the legal way of lying to me. You know? yes. <laughs> and it's, it's the height of diplomacy, I think. I, but it's dependent to some degree, I think, on your intonation because you could really ruin it if you say it in a certain way. How do you like my new place? I certainly wouldn't say I don't like it, right? Yeah, no, it's a very mad. It goes back to being the mad one, exactly. Uh, Kath, you you love the. Why don't you do the your favorite uh, Bart? Simpson I'm sorry. One. This is this is the one I call it the saving yourself one. This is the one when you're you're something's on the line and you've got to like cover yourself. And it's from The Simpsons when they were on that island that had the hallucinogenic toads. Mm-hmm. And Bart, <laughs> I love this. Bart said. Dad, are you licking toads? Homer said, I'm not not licking toads. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think this one is also interesting. This is a nuanced one where we have two different meanings for the negative. Okay, here we go. This, is, this was in a book, um, and it was slotted as incorrect. But Kathy and I talked about it, and they're not, it's not really incorrect. It just has a different meaning. Here we go. But it was for English language learners, so to be fair, I mean, that they were right Mm -hmm. as a normal thing. I miss not seeing him every day. They said this was incorrect. They said the correct form is, I miss seeing him every day. Mm -hmm. That's true, but... I miss not seeing him every day is a different thought than I miss Mm -hmm. seeing him every day. It could be. How about this? It could be. It could mean I miss seeing him every day. And it's incorrect if you're trying to say I miss seeing him every day. Y- yes, in in technical terms, it would but be incorrect. But if you're saying, okay, you don't want to see him every day, and now you're seeing him every day, yes. you would say, yeah, I really miss not seeing him every right. day. Let me right. tell you. But but you can easily yep. imagine having a conversation with someone, uh, you know, and maybe a coworker who was really nice has gone on to another job, and the other person says, yeah, I miss not seeing him every day. Like you in the context of your conversation you'd know that they actually meant i miss him being here every day that's interesting yeah mm-hmm. actually that reminds me because it's definitely contextual and it depends on like how you hear it you're right completely which actually so let's basically let's just summarize quickly you can use negatives together to say something positive i can't not go on vacation to be lukewarm to be kind of polite He's not unintelligent, and as in uh, Homer <laughs> and the Toads, to slither out of a sticky wicket. <laughs> that's very evocative. Right? Does anyone ever say? Is that, I mean, that's like British nineteen forty. Uh-huh. I know. I, 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 somebody the other day here was saying I started using certain <laughs> sayings, and I, it's an Australian friend here in 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 Granada, and she said. Where are you coming up with these <laughs> sayings? I said, I think 1940s English. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You know, I don't know why. Well, now I'm infected too. This is horrible. <laughs> sorry, Ross. <laughs> well, so whether they're they're correct, technically correct or not, these double negatives obviously have a lot of different uses. No, these are ones that we that are technically are seen as okay with given the meanings that we were doing. Mm-hmm. It's all these context. Are, these context are, these are full in standard English. They're correct. I can't okay. not go on vacation. Does have a positive meaning in the sense, it's a correct meaning in the sense that we're trying to say it. 
Mm-hmm. It's incorrect if we said I can't go on vacation. We said I can't not go on vacation. In technically, in regular English, that would be seen as incorrect. And regular English is just simply what we've decided as is normally is used by most people in the States. That does not mean there are not a lot of other Englishes. Mm-hmm. Which is where we them. go into, we've talked about this before, we alluded to at the top, um, African-American vernacular English or just African-American English, A-A-E or A-A-V-E, depending on who you're talking to. And that's where you do do the things like, I didn't see nothing. Mm-hmm. Or um, where you're using, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet, you know, kind of things. Where you're using two words in a negative, but they're to not canceling each other out. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, again, we want to emphasize two really good, important points. One, African-American English is a, is a form of English. Mm-hmm. It's not, they're not being incorrect. They're, they have different rules for that English. Right. Just as we said earlier, some languages do d- double negatives and some don't do double negatives in, in a certain way. These are all fairly consistent rules. We're not being prescriptive as either. These are basically agreed upon rules by the people speaking these languages. Oh, I'm going to just make a little digression. I think that, Ross, that last point you made is really crucial. I think that it's by the people speaking the language. It's not an exterior force no. coming in and saying this wrong, this right. It, right. It's what evolved. It's very organic in that sense. And, and so it's an organic rule system that possibly doesn't agree with another one in English, but that doesn't make any difference. Right. They're, right. they're, they're, they're related but separate rule systems. Right. Correct. Exactly. And one group of people hearing one thing might think this is wrong or this is right, you know, depending on where you're coming from or which language you're using. Mm-hmm. One thing I just want to interject again, I, I, I find fascinating in African-American English is the negative inversion when you flip like, like the... Um, like nobody can't becomes can't nobody do that. Yes, it's not, I like that too. Do. I just love that. I like I, it very so, much. It's so musical to me. I, I just it love is how to that me sounds. too. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Kathy. I love how that sounds. Yeah. But the other thing is the one problem I think we do have in English though, is with because we we commonly hear different forms of English, so we can also get confused. And I don't think it's a major problem, but we also like we were talking earlier about context. It, we also have to learn the context or understand the context of what we're listening to, because it can mean two different things sometimes in that sense. Yeah, this is interesting. Go on. Let's, here's one. I just got it. Okay, ain't nothing. What does ain't nothing mean? It can mean, when you think about it, it can okay, mean... Okay, it isn't anything. It can mean something, too. Oh, okay. For me, ain't nothing is... Let me, can, I, can I throw two examples out where I think I just think I just thought of this, okay? I mean, I just thought... Okay, um... Thanks for all your help. Oh, it ain't nothing. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't anything. Yeah, no right. big deal. Or, okay, okay boy, uh, you don't look sick at all. Well, it ain't nothing. Yep. That means I've got something. I mean, you it, bet. Yeah. it ain't nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's like, okay, so now we're going back to double negatives. Like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like, the bum, bum, baby. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> But, but okay, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're ignoring one again. It's an emphasis, right? I haven't seen anything. We know that immediately, too. Right. And then when I said, and Fletcher immediately got it when I said, the, you don't look sick. And I said, well, ain't nothing. Fletcher immediately understood that as something. Mm-hmm. 
Well, but that is, but isn't that like legitimate? It isn't anything. Oh no, no, wait, never no, mind. it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. I'm, I'm feeling like the right words. Okay. <laughs> Don't go down the negative <laughs> rabbit hole. <That's... laughs> it, it, it isn't nothing. There is something. It isn't nothing. Yeah. Like that. That one um, sort of cancels each other, cancels them out, and and takes it back to the positive direction. It is. Yeah. Something. So that's yeah. That's actually then a correct, except for the fact that we don't use ain't in American mm -hmm. standard, right? Isn't well, that I really mean, technically? It, just replace it with isn't, right? It isn't nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the whole interesting thing about this whole topic, though. A lot of it is contextual. We have basic internalized rules that we use, but then we also have, we also basically know that some places they don't have them, and then we get into context. I can't get no satisfaction. Right. I mean, I can't get satisfaction. I mean, <laughs> we weren't asking about you personally, Ross, okay? <laughs> get off my cloud, all right? <laughs> Ooh, very good. Uh, the thing that I found interesting, though, is we get all head up about, like, you know, okay, Ross just said it's contextual, which is true, but American standard English is usually no, 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 negative, negative about double negatives, if you will. But in the past, if we go back in a farther past, Ross alluded to that before with that guy, was it Louth? It, mm -hmm. Double and triple, triple negatives were widely used. I mean, Chaucer did them, Shakespeare. And this is often the question, or at least what we learn, is that the things that we get all bothered by now are things that have been done for centuries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess we're just bothered by them now because it's now <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well we're bothered by that because we basically as i mean you know language is fluid but we're basically in the here and now mm -hmm. and usually in the here and now we have basic ideas of what works and what doesn't work what's clear and what isn't clear and in that sense triple negatives and we had that at the very top with that chinese uh, embassy thing it, triple negatives are increasingly in some ways unclear so we prefer to use them as we've just gone through doesn't mean it's wrong or right necessarily. It means that's what we're doing now. And that seem, that's what seems to work. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say, um, I agree with you, Ross. But I was just looking at Louth, who who started this whole thing. He was, <laughs> he was again, one of those ones who did everything. He did the uh, mm -hmm. splitting an infinitive, yeah, preposition of the sentence, everything. But on the negatives, I think Louth was being more observant than basically... Splitting infinitive works easily. We, we can do it and we know it and it works and we have no problem with it when we hear it. We understand it completely. We've just gone through the negatives and how, and we talked about how different languages treat negatives. How negatives work, I think, and you said that earlier, Kathy, are kind of like internal rules that we know. And this is how we speak. And it, you know, we have like a rule. There's not a, you don't have to start, I went to the store. If we go to the store, went I. You know, there's no, you know, I don't need to have some grammarian tell me that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. We know it. We use it that way. Although to the store went I doesn't sound that bad. Okay. Went to the store I. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. We need rules. <laughs> Little brother and sister. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be in a Canadian parade so I can apologize again. <laughs> but no, I think you're right in this case. I mean, but then, I mean, okay, we have the example here of Shakespeare using a triple negative um, in Twelfth Night. But it makes, see, but to me, Ross, I understand what you're saying with Louth, but I mean, if, if we can understand it, we've talked about this a million times, 
It's fine. I mean, I have one heart, one bosom, and one truth, and that no woman has, nor never none. Actually, what does that mean? I was just about to say, if you understand that. <laughs> it sounds nice how I declaimed it. But. Yes. <laughs> the whole point with, with triple negatives and the, the basic rules of negation in English are we basically agree, and we by agreeing, we have a basic understood meaning. Except in some cases, if you're talking about ain't nothing, where the context makes it clear. Okay, but I'm thinking now, Ross, that probably back in Shakespeare's time, this wasn't as 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 obtuse as it is to us. That's a very good point. Because, I mean, if they were widely used until the 18th century, which we just said when Louth stopped it with his buddies, this would be fine. People would be going like, oh, that's like really well put. Well, right? That's a good point. Yeah. So I think we can, actually, you want to close on a couple of triple negatives then, Kathy? This one fascinates me, and I'm still a little confused. <laughs> There's nothing I don't ever wish I didn't say. Actually, <laughs> I get it, though. If you think of it, there's nothing I don't ever wish I didn't say. Oh, yeah. yeah that, if it I don't, comes I don't... out of my mouth, it was meant to be said. Right. I don't have any regrets about things that I've said. Yeah. There's nothing I don't ever wish I didn't say. I, I'm happy with everything I've ever said. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really, it's kind of, it, there's nothing I don't ever wish I didn't say. I, I really like it that, It actually. takes a particular kind of person to say that and mean it, but, but those yeah. people do exist. <laughs> okay, here's, here's a New York Rangers general manager a while back. I don't think either that you can't single out Bernie as not a guy who is not part of the disappointment. Oof. So that that's it. Try, trying to trying to protect trying to protect his player without throwing his player under the bus is that what's going on? Well right said. There? I think so. <laughs> I don't think I, I think he's trying to protect himself too. Oh well, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Oh wait a second, because he no wait a second. I don't think uh, what the beginning of it though is Bernie produced what Bernie is supposed to produce. I'm gonna paste this into you so you can see it, Fletcher. Okay. But I don't think either that you can single out Bernie as not a guy who's not... No, actually, he is throwing him under the bus. <sighs> See what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try, trying, to, yeah. Uh, trying to throw him under the bus without making it seem like he's throwing him, throwing him under the bus. Yeah, he's going like, okay, he did what he's supposed to do, but I don't think you can single him out as as not someone who wasn't part of the disappointment. So he's <laughs> saying you can. <laughs> he was part of the disappointment. Yeah, wow. And that's interesting because that comes from an, uh, a, a scholarly article, but I think it was a Yale professor. And he has, it. Uh, he put this under the heading, a Latin heading for some reason, triplex negatio confundit, which is a triple negative basically used to confuse. And I think it, yeah. succeeded in that perfectly. Yeah. Although I love this one. This is a really good use. Bill Moyers years ago on um, Gary Hart. People knew too little about him not to vote against him. That's actually, though, a beautiful sentence. Yeah, that's, that's really what I think, too. I think it is. Actually. I don't think, I mean, in fairness to that, I mean, it's confusing-ish if you don't think about it, but it, oh, he did it deliberately. Yeah, it's perfectly put. He did it deliberately. I think it's a beautiful sort of line against an individual. Yeah. Well, I don't think we're not done. But we... <laughs> I'm going back to my toad now. <laughs>
You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.